Sports. I'm your host, Get Ready. So quick reminder before we start, uh, I encourage you all to reach out with any questions you may have or if you want me to talk more in depth about a specific topic. Also, I have podcast gear available. I have t-shirts and I have hoodies. And so I want to thank everyone who has purchased gear. Purchasing gear really helps me out. It's a great way to support the show as well as supporting me while I'm on this journey of a year-long diet. So again, if you've purchased if you've purchased gear, I really appreciate it. And lastly, at the very least, if you're enjoying this show, Please give it a like, share it, subscribe to it, and leave a review. Any of that stuff really helps me out and is a great way to support the show. And if you want to get a hold of me, my email is located in the show notes as well as my Instagram page. Okay, so this episode is called The Great Year Part 2. And in this episode, I'm going to go more in depth about how the great year cycle affects life on this planet. But first, I want to start out by recapping part one of this series. So in part one, I talked about how the universe is cyclical and that these universal cycles occur at every level from the small to the extremely large, as above, so below, as within, so without. For example, we have the daily cycles of night and day, then we have the yearly cycles of summer and winter, spring and fall, and we even have the grand cosmological cycle that takes place over the course of 26,000 years, which is the time it takes for the solar equinox to make a complete revolution through all the zodiac constellations. This 26,000-year cycle is known as the great year. So also in part one, I talked about how the great year is divided up into 12 zodiac ages, with each age lasting around 2,160 years. And finally, I mentioned that the astrological calendar we use today is wrong because it, because it was created during the age of Aries and has not been updated since. So all of us listening and everyone you know, we were all born in the age of Pisces. This means, and here was the big revelation of the episode, it means that not only is our birth sign wrong, but so is the astrological calendar we use today. Now, to be honest, I'm surprised that that episode did not go viral. <laughs> uh, I mean, just kidding. Uh, I, I really didn't expect it to go viral. However, I am quite surprised that hardly anyone seemed to really care about the information presented in that episode. Now, I get it. Times are tough, and many of us have much bigger fish to fry than worrying about our birth sign or the actual location of the stars with respect to the solar equinox. However, I was still surprised given how many people I know who are obsessed with astrology and particularly their birth sign and how they believe it shapes and affects their personality. I thought that these people would want to know more and would be curious as to why that in the year of 2023, where we are supposedly living at the peak of scientific knowledge and, te scientific knowledge and technology, that the astrological calendar has not been updated to reflect the actual location of the stars above. This is... 
why this is never talked about and relatively unknown despite millions of people getting astrological readings every day boggles my mind. Now, upon realizing this, my conspiratorial mind began to wonder if this was just a simple mistake and that the updating of the calendar just somehow slipped through the cracks, or are we being intentionally deceived? While pondering these questions, I am realizing based on the reaction of the episode and the personal conversations I've had on the subject that most people couldn't care less. Or really, I should say that most people are not interested in the truth. Now, I'm not sure if this is just a symptom of ignorance being bliss, but it does make me think that my favorite movie of all time, The Matrix, is not a movie at all, but instead it's actually a documentary. See, in the movie, or I guess I should say documentary, there is a scene where Morpheus is explaining to Neo about the mindset of most of the people who are trapped in the Matrix. Morpheus, talking to Neo, says, You have to understand that most people are not ready to be unplugged, and many of them are so inured and so helplessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. And we know this to be the case. Most people don't want to know that a lot of what they have been taught and led to believe is wrong, or worse yet, that they have been intentionally deceived to prevent them from reaching their highest potential. Instead of doing the actual work of discovering their true history and true nature, it is way easier just to follow orders, listen to the mainstream, and not question authority. Case in point, shortly after posting part one, I received a two-star review from someone named New Mexico Justice with the title of their review called Casual Fallacies Galore. So, I want to read you their review. So here goes. I listened to the podcast on the great year. You are incorrect. The deeper you go into astrology, the weirder it gets. It would be good for you to have a little bit of, it would be good for you to have a little bit of understanding about astrology before making bold claims that our astrological signs are wrong and hinting that there might be a conspiracy preventing us from knowing the truth. Sometimes truth eludes us simply because we think we already know the truth. Now, I have so much to say about this review. First, thank you for taking the time to review, even even if it's a bad review. I, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, so in your review, you say I am incorrect, but you do not mention how or why. Now, I will admit It is possible that I am incorrect, but if I am, I would love to know what I said was incorrect. And it is also true, I have very little understanding of astrology, but I do not think I am incorrect when it comes to saying our birth signs are wrong. It is written in the stars. However, most people have no idea how to read the stars. Instead, they get their info not from the sky, but from some computer program, book, or Instagram personality. Then, you know, my, my favorite part of New Mexico Justice's comment is when you say I am making bold claims and hinting that there might be a conspiracy preventing us from knowing the truth. <laughs> to that, I will say you are 100% correct. That is actually kind of my thing. 
most of my podcast episodes are about that. I, I love a good conspiracy. In fact, I have a superpower of being able to turn anything into a conspiracy. But the truth is, should we still call them conspiracies when they are actually true? See, when it comes to conspiracies, I am right more often than, that, than I am wrong. And that's because once your eyes are open, it is fairly easy to see the computer code running the matrix. And lastly, if I am wrong about this, I would love to know what I got wrong. I don't have fixed beliefs. And if someone can present, if someone can present a case to me about our birth signs, I would love to hear all about it. At the end of the day, I consider myself a truth seeker, which means all I care about is the truth. And if I am wrong, I will be the first to admit it. So New Mexico Justice, if you are listening, maybe you can come on the podcast and we can talk about astrology. Or this is an open invite to anyone. If I am wrong, come on the podcast and let's talk about it. I'm sure it'll be an interesting episode. My email is in the show notes. <clears throat> so... Anyway, at the end of the day, I'm not really sure why more people are not interested in this subject, especially the people who actually study and use astrology on a regular basis. But like I said, it's a big, complicated subject, and I understand people not wanting to take a deep dive. With that being said, the next question on my mind is, does it even matter? I mean, I'm asking people to come on the podcast to discuss this, but at the end of the day, how much does your birth sign and the location of the stars affect your personality and the overall quality of your life on a daily basis? I mean, I've been thinking about this for quite some time, and the truth is, I'm not sure how much it matters. Obviously, there is some effect. In fact, the principle of cause and effect states that everything is connected that every cause has its effect, and every effect has its cause. So the specific location of the sun, moon, planets, and stars at the exact moment you sprung into existence will no doubt have an effect on your personality, your potential, and your purpose. The question is, how much of an effect? How much of your destiny is in your hands, and how much has literally been written in the stars? Well, I don't know the exact percentages, the truth is, your destiny or your true potential has been both written in the stars during your birth and is also under your complete control. To understand this, we have to look at the definition of potential. So potential is something that exists in possibility. It is your undeveloped or unrealized ability but having a potential ability is no guarantee that it will manifest. For example, let's say that the moment when you were born, your potential and purpose was written in the stars that you were to become this great doctor who was destined to discover the cure for cancer and change the lives of millions of people for the better. Now, as we all know, just because that was written in the stars does not guarantee you will fulfill this destiny or even come close to fulfilling it. In order to manifest this potential life, you have to be willing to make the necessary sacrifices and do the required work. In fact, this is what the principle of cause and effect is all about. See, every day we have choices to make. We can choose to study or we can choose to watch TV. 
We can choose to work out or we can choose to sit on the couch. We can choose to look at things that happen to us from a growth or positive mindset or we can choose to look at things through the eyes of a victim. We can choose to take a leap of faith faith to further develop to to further our development or we can play it safe and secure and restrict our development. Each and every one of the choices we make has consequences. Each and every one of those choices determines whether or not we get closer or further away from reaching the potential and purpose that was written in the stars. I mean, you could have the most amazing you could have the most amazing potential and purpose, but if you don't make sacrifices, don't do the work and play it safe, you won't achieve much. And the truth is, everyone has a potential legacy which has been written in the stars. However, the only way to bring this potential into reality is to first discover your purpose. And then once you discover your purpose, you then must make the choices and sacrifices needed so that you can put yourself in the best position to achieve your potential. So going back to the question of how much of our destiny is in our control, the answer is most of it. What you do, the choices you make, and the actions you take matters much more than what you say or even what has been written in the stars because without action, nothing happens. So with that being said, when it comes to trying to figure out your ideal path and purpose, it is probably not a bad idea to get a reading to get an astrological reading from someone who really understands how to translate and interpret the stars, planets, and moons, and the relationship between everything at the time of your birth. You can get some relevant information, which at the very least could help you figure out the general direction you should be going. So in other words, understanding the stars could help put you on the right track. And that's why the lack of response to all this information is driving me crazy because if you're going to get a reading and I know many of you are getting readings on a regular basis but but if you are using the wrong star decoder if you're using the wrong astrological calendar you're going to get bad results right garbage in equals garbage out sure as most of you who have had a reading know You do get some really helpful information, but it's never close to being extremely accurate, which again makes me think about the J.P. Morgan quote, millionaires don't use astrology, billionaires do. This is where, this is where the conspiratorial, this is where my conspiratorial mindset comes in. See, if we are, if we are intentionally being deceived by someone, say a ruling class, to prevent us from reaching our highest potential, the best way to do it is through half-truths. And to be honest, this is white belt level conspiracy knowledge. See, if you tried to deceive people by flat out lying and giving them completely false information, then people would catch on very quickly because nothing would add up. However, if you give people some true information and you combine that true information with false information it is much easier to deceive them and lead them off course. For example, when you get a reading, some of the information you get is correct, provided the person doing the reading is actually using some accurate star tracking software. However, 
a huge variable going into the equation of your astrological reading is your birth sign, which is wrong, which is why your reading is never completely accurate. And that's the other thing. Most of these readings are done by people who just put your information into a software program and then analyze the results of that program. See, I, I received a human design reading a couple years ago, and while it was interesting, all the person did was explain to me the results of a computer program. And this person was supposedly highly respected and came well recommended. So then you have to wonder, well, who wrote the program? And is the program even accurate? Anyway, that's just some food for thought. (laughs) Believe it or not, this episode is not really about the accuracy or legitimacy of your astrological reading. In all honesty, I don't care all that much about that stuff. Astrological readings, while interesting, have never really been my thing. So, This episode is actually on a much more fascinating topic, which is how the great year cycle affects life on this planet. So we know, thanks to the principle of rhythm, that every cycle consists of energy flowing through both the positive and negative aspects in a consistent manner. For example, on the daily cycle, energy flows through the positive aspect, which is called daytime, and through the negative aspect, which is called nighttime. On the yearly cycle, summer is the positive aspect and winter is the negative aspect. And spring and fall are the transitional phases between the two polar opposites of summer and winter. Well, over the course of the great year, the same cycle applies. And one thing to note about this great year cycle is it's not some new discovery. Many ancient civilizations have been aware of this cycle. For example, the Greeks called it the great year hence the name of the episode. The Hindus, or Vedics, called it the Yugas, and the Babylonians and Egyptians had other names for it. And now our modern civilization calls it the procession of the equinox. But one thing that the ancient cultures knew about this cycle is that just like every other cycle, it has its ups and downs as it flows between the polarity of the masculine and the feminine, through the polarities of high consciousness and low consciousness, and through the polarities of positive and negative. For example, the Greeks believed that over the course of the great year, humanity or civilization would go through different ages of advancement and enlightenment known as the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and the Iron Age. They believe that during this cycle, half the time we are descending and half the time we are ascending. Just like the seasons, the golden age could be thought of as summer, and this age and this age represents when humanity is at its peak of advancement and enlightenment, a time when things are thriving and everyone is doing well. Then, after the golden age, civilization starts to begin a slow decline into the silver age, then into the bronze age until it reaches the negative end of the cycle, which is the iron age or winter. Then, after the Iron Age, civilization starts to ascend back into the Bronze Age, then into the Silver Age, until once again it reaches its peak back in the Golden Age, completing a a full 26,000-year cycle. Likewise, the Hindus called this cycle the Yugas. Yuga in Sanskrit means age, cycle, or 
world era. Just like the Greeks, the Hindus believe that over the course of the great year, humanity would cycle through four different yugas. The Sata Yuga, the Treta Yuga, the Dharapada Yuga, and the Kali Yuga. So I'm going to talk about these in a little more detail. So the Sata Yuga is considered the Golden Age. During this yuga, it is believed that humans are operating at the highest levels possible where they have full access to their powers and potential and are able to access higher levels of consciousness and even other dimensions. It is also believed that the majority of humans during this yuga were healthy, strong, virtuous, honest, and youthful. In the, in the Mahabharata, which is an ancient Indian Sanskrit text, it describes the Satya Yuga as such. It says, There were no poor and no rich. There was no need to labor, because all that men required was obtained by the power of will. The chief virtue was the abandonment of all worldly desires. The Satya Yuga was without disease. There was no lessening with the years. There was no hatred or vanity or evil thought whatsoever. No sorrow, no fear. All mankind could obtain supreme blessedness. So this is all to say that the Satya Yuga is the age when humanity is at its best. It's the peak of civilization, the peak of consciousness. So then after the Satya Yuga, humanity begins its descent into the Treta Yuga or the Silver Age. So this age begins the slow decline towards people becoming less conscious more materialistic, and less spiritually inclined. This is, this is also the age where peace starts to decline as emperors begin to rise and wars begin. Then, after the Treta Yuga, humanity falls even further into the Dharapada Yuga and, or the Bronze Age. So, in this age, consciousness begins to fall even further and materialism becomes even greater. People start to become discontent with life and more and more battles and wars are waged. This age also begins to accelerate the separation of classes where we see the ruling class start to gain a lot of power and control. So then after the Dharapada Yuga, humanity finally collapses into the Kali Yuga which is the equivalent to the Iron Age or Dark Age or Winter and is the worst of the four yugas. This is an age full of greed, materialism, conflict, and sin where consciousness has become so low that most people are basically asleep and have forgotten how special and powerful they really are. The separation of classes or wealth disparity becomes extremely large and... The ruling class has nearly all the power and wealth, not to mention in this age we have become completely disconnected from the natural world. Then, of course, after the Kali Yuga, humanity begins its upward swing back to the Dharapada Yuga, then the Treta Yuga, until it finally rises all the way back to the golden age of the Satya Yuga, thus completing the cycle. <clears throat> so, now, after hearing that the next thing I bet you're wondering is, well, which age are we currently in? Now, some people might look at our science and technology and believe the narrative that our current society 
is the peak of all civilization and assume that we are in the golden age. Well, hate to break it to you, but that could not be further from the truth. According to the Hindus, we are considered to be in the Kali Yuga or the Dark Age. And when you look a little deeper at our current state of the world, it is hard to deny. See, we are we are an extremely materialistic society that has lost all connection with the natural and spiritual worlds. And as a result, we have become extremely unhappy, unhealthy, and in a complete state of despair. Wealth disparity is growing larger by the day as we are controlled by an elite group of ultra-rich individuals and corporations. Depression rates are through the roof. Most people are asleep, overly medicated, and in no way concerned with truth, knowledge, or self-discovery. Nearly all government, nearly all governments and politicians are corrupt and full of deceit, not to mention we have been in a constant state of war for the last few centuries at the very least. So, based on that, it is extremely likely that we are in fact in the Kali Yuga, the Dark Age, or the cosmological equivalent of winter. But, have no fear, for all is not lost. There are still lots of reasons to be hopeful. So, as I mentioned in the last episode, it is believed that we just entered into the Age of Aquarius, and well... And while it is believed by many that the Age of Aquarius represents the transition from the Iron Age into the Bronze Age, or the transition from the Kali Yuga into the Dharapada Yuga, this is also known as the start of the Great Awakening, or the beginning of spring, which is the moment when we shift and start heading towards the positive polarity. However, remember, these cycles are slow, but the good news is, People are waking up, and we seem to be heading in the right direction. And another reason to be hopeful is what I talked about earlier, the fact that you are in control of your destiny. See, no matter what is written in the stars or what age we are in, you still have the opportunity to make choices and take action. Even though most people are asleep and disconnected doesn't mean you have to be. You have the power and ability to be curious, to ask questions, to do your own research and search for the truth. And yet, another reason to be hopeful is that resistance breeds strength. See, there is a reason we go through these cycles in the first place, and that is to create growth. In fact, growth, strength, and self-betterment only happen by overcoming obstacles, challenges, and the dark periods, right? I mean, we all know that too much of a good thing is actually a bad thing. In other words, too much comfort makes you weak. If we want to be strong and capable, we need some variability. We need some stressors. We need obstacles and challenges to overcome. See, there's this popular quote that kind of that represents the great year cycle very well. And so that quote is, hard times make strong men. Strong men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. See, what this quote is saying is that when times are really good, people become soft, weak, and lazy. And when people become soft, weak, and lazy, things start to break down. And when things break down, life starts to become hard. And when life gets hard, it then forces us to get better and to be better. So the good news 
is even though we are most likely in the Kali Yuga or on the cusp of entering the Bronze Age, we, we still have an amazing opportunity to grow, improve, and evolve. Okay, so if we are not in the Golden Age, when was it? Or another way to ask this, if we are not in the Golden Age, is there proof of a Golden Age in our past? The answer is, there is lots of proof of a golden age. Just look at all the ancient structures of the Mayans, Incans, Sumerians, Egyptians, and that's just naming a few. Look at all the pyramids we see all over the world, particularly the Pyramid of Giza. First, we not only have no idea how old the Pyramid of Giza actually is because you can't carbon date rock. Not to mention that we that we have no reasonable explanation for how it was built, especially considering it was built thousands of years ago, long before the modern inventions of combustion combustion engines, power tools, computers, and electricity. In fact, the Pyramid of Giza is such an engineering marvel and mystery that we don't really have the capacity to build it today. And if by some chance we could do it, It would be a massive ordeal requiring cranes, helicopters, drones, backhoes, lasers, advanced computing software, and every other complex piece of construction machinery you could imagine. And with that being said, we are supposed to believe it was built not only by a primitive society using, using simple tools, but a primitive society who also used slave labor. In other words, we are led to believe that slaves somehow managed to build not one, but three pyramids in Egypt, which are some of the most advanced structures the world has ever seen. And I don't know about you, but I'm definitely not buying that story. Look, I don't want to get sucked down the pyramid rabbit hole because that is because that is another episode or 10 because it's an extremely complicated topic. However, I will say this. Once you go down the pyramid rabbit hole you will no longer believe this ridiculous idea that they are just tombs built by slaves. But just to put some things into perspective about just how complicated it would be to build the pyramids, you should know that when it comes to the Great Pyramid of Giza, the mainstream explanation says it was constructed constructed using 2.3 million individual blocks of stone over the course of about 20 years. So for this to be possible, this means one block would have to be laid every five minutes of every hour, 24 hours a day for the entire 20 years. Never mind the fact that many of these blocks at a minimum weigh two tons, which is 4,000 pounds. And, And that's nothing the king, the roof on the king's chamber, which is essentially in the middle of the Great Pyramid, was built using 70-ton blocks of granite. And if that's not crazy enough, consider that most of the blocks were quarried from a spot over 500 miles from the location of the pyramid. And, and it's not just the Egyptian pyramids. There are pyramids temples, churches, coliseums, and buildings all over the world that are engineering marvels which definitely question the mainstream explanation. 
If you don't believe me, all you have to do is look with an open mind and you will see them everywhere. And let's not forget that many of these ancient structures are aligned or were aligned to the stars in the sky. For example, the Egyptian pyramids are aligned to true north and are a direct reflection of Orion's belt. This means many ancient cultures were in tune with the stars and the, and the celestial clock. There is, there is no doubt that the ancient Egyptians, the Mayans, the Incans, and the Greek and Roman cultures were highly advanced, maybe even more advanced than we are today, just in a different way. But unfortunately, we will never know just how advanced they were because all these ancient cultures eventually collapsed and thus causing us to lose most of their knowledge. And, and let's be honest, all we really know about these cultures is what we have been told and taught in school. Never forget, history is always written by the winner, winners or the people in charge. So all we really know is that after these ancient advanced cultures collapsed, civilization was thrust into darker times where technology and standards of living seemed to go backwards. In other words... After these civilizations collapsed, things got worse instead of getting better. The collapse of these civilizations seems to follow the cyclical nature of the great year. And it gets even crazier because nearly all ancient civilizations, both advanced and primitive, have myths such as Atlantis about golden ages when people lived longer and were much more enlightened, who were then wiped out by some cataclysmic disaster such as a great flood causing a reset and dragging humanity back into the dark ages and and it is not just fiction we know that earth has experienced many many cataclysmic disasters including a massive ice age around 11,000 years ago which lasted for over a thousand years called the younger driest period which easily could have wiped out any advanced civilization so Yes, looking back over our history, we know that many civilizations have risen to great heights only to come crashing down and thrusting humanity backwards, only for humanity to rise up again. And we, we also know that Earth has had many cataclysmic natural disasters over its history, which had the power to easily bring down even the most advanced societies. It's almost like there's some natural cycle going on. Okay, so, before I wrap up this episode, I want to talk about some strange facts I recently became aware of, which tie right into the which tie right into this episode and my conspiratorial mind. So, in part one of this series, I mentioned that the new I mentioned that the new year should actually occur on the spring equinox and not on January first. The astrological calendar recognizes the spring equinox as the new year which makes sense as spring represents the beginning of the growth period, whereas January 1st just seems like a random day with no connection to the natural cycles of the Earth. Well, it turns out that this goes even deeper, as I have learned, as I've also learned that there are 13 moon cycles per year, which means over the course of a year, the moon rotates around the Earth 13 times. A moon cycle lasts about 28 days. A typical month is approximately 30 days. So the question is, 
why don't our months correspond to the moon cycles? That would make much more sense, right? To base time on a natural cycle, why don't we have 13 months instead of 12? Why don't we use the moon as part of our calendar? The ancient civil, Many of the ancient civilizations certainly did. And on a similar note, I saw someone talking about this the other day, that the way we track our days, I saw someone talking about how we track our days. So why does a new day begin at 12 a.m.? 12 a.m. is not a new day. It's the middle of the night. A new day should begin at sunrise. The sun should dictate the beginning of a new day, not some random time in the middle of the night. Now, this may all seem like some random thoughts of a madman, and maybe it is, or maybe there is a reason why the astrological calendar, the yearly calendar, the monthly calendar, and the beginning of a new day don't correspond to reality, and that is to keep us disconnected from nature's natural cycles. Does that sound crazy? Well, let me ask you this. Can you think of any other reason? Think about it. One of the aspects of being in a dark age is a disconnection from the natural rhythms and cycles of nature. And if you wanted to hold people back from discovering their true purpose and reaching their highest potential, part of the plan on how you would do that would be to disconnect people from the natural cycles and rhythms of nature. See, there is an idea that in order to know where you are going, you must first know where you are. And most people are so disconnected from the natural world that they have no idea where they are, and as a result are completely lost mentally, spiritually, and physically. See, knowing all this seems to lead to more questions and answer answers. But that's why we say the deeper you go, the weirder it gets. Because the more you look into the true history of our universe, the more beautiful and mysterious and even weird it becomes. The stars in the sky are more than just pretty lights and the constellations are more than just made up shapes. The sun, stars, planets, and moon all play a part in a large cycle that flows through the masculine and feminine energy just like night and day or summer and winter. So what does this all mean? I have no idea. So I will leave you with this quote from Arthur C. Clarke. I don't pretend we have all the answers, but the questions are certainly worth thinking about. Stay curious, my friends. See you on the other side. Do you like-